when you get a text from Triple D at 10.30 at night talking about the markets, it's usually not a good thing. Hawkish Fed, weak earnings season, rising inflation. Do we need any more problems? Like in the banking system? We got a lot to cover today. We'll talk about it with Jeremy Schwartz, too, from Wisdom Tree, folks. This is one show you're not going to want to miss. Roll the intro, Mitch. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's look at the damage here on this Thursday morning. S&P is down 11 and three quarters handles, giving back that uh, little rally we had at the end of the day. We're at 3982.75 trading just off the lows of the session. Uh, the dollar, uh, that's down 22 cents at 105.03. Bond slip in two, they're down 21.30 seconds and 124 and 22.30 seconds. Crude, trying to find a home and support at the $76 area. I got three lows in the last five days there. Up four cents, $76.70. Gold, hovering over the low of the move, $220, up $220, $1820.70. Silver, still in the 20 handle, uh, down a couple pennies, $2012. Rush band and Bitcoin futures, they're down $500 at $21,615. Let's bring in, undoubtedly, the hardest working man on Wall Street. Oh! That's Mitch. <laughs> Mitch works way harder than I do. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Mitch is everywhere. He's running shows, running Benzinga. He's, trading. He's live trading like a champion. He's everywhere there. So there's no doubt who works harder here. Who, who gets more like caught up in like little mini, like We didn't even plan that one, team. Gets, we like, didn't even going plan. down the whole <laughs> rabbit hole. That's me. I go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole last night, something fierce, Joel. And I got full on like sitting in bed thinking, oh my gosh, are we going into financial crisis part two? What? <laughs> but 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 I don't think it's going to be that. But I can see a path where what the Fed has done here is create problems Ooh-hoo. for the banks. Because naturally you think, oh, raising interest rates has got to be good for the banks. And- but you guys have been pointing it out for a while here. Besides J.P. Morgan, let's forget about them for a second because they're best of breed. Jamie Dimon obviously went through you know problems before, and he's just created a monster bank that is very well-run, the most well-run bank. But look at some of the others, and we're going to go to the regionals in a second. But let's start with the big guns. Look at Bank America, Not almost good. back down to the lows. Citigroup's been holding up fairly well, but we know Citigroup you know, from, the, from you know, where it's been. And, and Wells Fargo starting to go off here now. Morgan Stanley holding up pretty well. Goldman Sachs really not holding up great. Back down near the lows of the move again. But a whole different tale. Say you could say the big banks, some of them are weaker. None of them look really great, though. But then you go to the regionals, and you think, what is going on? 
Yeah. Regions Financial, straight down for two days. You can go into KRE, which obviously covers them all. That's been a little bit of this of the silver gate, which we're going to get into in a second. But it's in other issues as well. These regional banks, the charts just don't look good. So there's three banks that have an issue here today. And we're going to start, we're going to call Silvergate Capital a bank, at least for another few days until it sounds like it's winding down its operations here. <laughs> it's just Silvergate. We for, forget for the capital. For a few more days, we'll call it a bank. <laughs> So uh, give us the news here. We'll start with Silvergate because that's what everybody's yeah. talking about here today. Start with SI. All right. This is one that uh, at least I, I'm, I'm, we have been waving the red flag on this one for a long time now, especially since November's 18th, Kathy Bai. But Silvergate Capital said it would shut down its operation in light of recent industry regulatory development. Silvergate believes that an orderly wind down of the bank's operation and voluntary liquidation of the bank is the best path forward, said the company in a statement. Yeah, never good. Winding down their banking operations here. And Silvergate Capital down 42%. Cool. Again, bankrupt stocks don't necessarily go right to zero. Stocks winding down their operations don't necessarily go to zero. But they don't usually rally either unless the memesters get a hold of it. Who knows? All I'm saying is this is not good news. We know this is related to the crypto. We know this is related to a whole pile of other problems there, um, which are very well publicized, which have been talked about in the media for a long time. Um, Signature Bank, SBNY, related to a certain extent because they obviously have not the same operations, but they have crypto operations here, Signature Bank. Um, They're down 9% in sympathy here. So obviously worries you know about their you know crypto um operations or cryptocurrencies there because i'm just looking you know at the numbers there too eight to ten billion dollars worth of cryptocurrencies tied in and so they have exposure here as well so they're worried about sbny as well due to their crypto exposures here and i want to give a a shout out too I want to give a shout out to the Bear Cave. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Edwin Dorsey, the Bear Cave. He mentioned this SBNY and their exposure. Yeah. And he was expecting I that. that you mentioned. I yeah. thought I remember that a while ago. Downside action with SI. And he was like, I don't know how this one's hanging in there right now. And you yeah. Could- they're definitely going after these it. charts look terrible. I mean, now it's down nine percent. You're talking about SBNY at the beginning of 2022 is three hundred and fifty dollars. It's ninety four dollars here now. These stocks are in free fall here. Um, so that's the ones that the, that everybody's going to be talking about the major media because of the SI, you know, winding mm-hmm. down the operations. SBNY, similar, but not obviously as maybe you know <laughs> as as in much as as in as much trouble as Silvergate, but still in some trouble here. But then flying under the radar really mm-hmm. until today was SVB Financial, which is SIV B-B. Bank, which is Silicon Valley Bank, <laughs> which is down 28% here right now. What do they and focus the on? Reason, yep. Right. Well, what do they focus on, Dennis, before we get to the story? What exactly. is it that SIV so, Financial Group focuses on? Venture capital. So they have a lot, obviously, Silicon Valley. So they're lending to startups. They're lending venture capital. They're aggressive lender. And that's why, you know, and and times get tough here, things can change quickly. Um, So I went down the rabbit hole. First, they did an offering last night. And you can show if you want the Benzinga Pro here, the headline from last night. Typical offering, knocked the stock down 4 or 5%. 
So I'm pretty used to this. I haven't been following the story at all until last night. And the reason I started following it last night was I saw the offering. I was like, oh, that's usually, you know, four or 5% will knock it down. And if you show it's, it's a, it's a double, they did the mandatory convertible preferred plus, you know, they're doing equity. So they're raising some cash, but you don't usually see a stock fall 28% on an offering. So when it's just started going to free fall, I was like, what is the backstory here? I'm like, what is going on here? Because this does not seem typical for an equity offering. So then you start doing some research and you're like, oh, this is a very aggressive lender. And then I stumbled across this Twitter account, which you might show now here, Mitch, on your screen. I got you. Um, at Raging Ventures. And I started following them last night, Raging Capital Ventures. And they uh, had a, a tweet, 10 tweets, back from January the 18th, talking about this bank. And this was fascinating, reading this. And I don't know if this is accurate. I don't know at Raging Ventures. I was just you know reading and trying to research why is the stock down 28%. And this is from January 18th, so they were way ahead of this. But they were talking about Silicon Valley Bank ahead of their earnings. And after that, the stock actually kept going up for the next three weeks before now we've seen the implosion. But they were talking about their large exposure to, one, the stressed venture world, which we obviously just mentioned. But they were talking about deeper problems here. So if you go down, I'll just read you some of the stuff. They're talking about they rode the VC boom like a champ. That's when the stock's going up, up, up because VC was booming. And we know VC's had a really rough time. So it's not surprising that this bank has had a rough time too. But they're saying there's bigger problems here. And the bigger problems isn't so much their venture capital, their VC um, lending, but it's actually their, their HTM, which is held to maturity securities portfolio because it's full of mortgage holdings, long-term mortgage holdings. So they're saying, and, if you do, and again, just as I'm scrolling down here, um, their agency mortgage holdings went from 13.5 billion at Q4 19 to 99 billion at Q4 21. So basically, and I'm just reading the tweets right from this. Again, I have not verified any of this information. I'm just reading right from this. But if any of this is true, this is really scary stuff. The bank basically increased its security portfolio by 700% at a generational top in the bond market, buying $88 billion of mostly 10-plus-year mortgages with an average yield of 1.63%, Joel. Oh, jeez. Sounds oh fabulous. So this is like, what? 1.63. 1.63. You got $88 billion of 10-plus-year mortgages yielding you 1.63%? In an environment where we just went 5.2 on the two-year, I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, this is a, this is a bad book. So they're arguing again. This is Raging Ventures is arguing that if they had to mark these mark-to-market losses on this book, that this bank is actually functionally, and they're saying functionally underwater if it was liquidated today. I mean, this is just scary stuff. So then you start thinking, and you're like. Are there more banks that are just, and again, in the U.S., we know a lot of, um, of U.S. mortgage, you know, that have mortgages, people who have their homes and have mortgages, have long 30-year mortgages. Well, who's on the other side of all those? Is it the same banks with aggressive lendings? I mean, 1.63% is super low. I don't even know how that's possible. But, you know, in my personal situation, I have a rental and I have a fixed mortgage, which has two more years on it. And I've had that at 1.64%. Um, through Bank of Nova Scotia. I'm like, that thing, I slowed the payments. I call my bank, I slow the payments down, amortize that thing as far out as it can go and slow the payments down to nothing because it's like free money for me. I'm like literally borrowing at 1.64 and I can turn around and invest at 5.2. 
I'm literally picking up that much from the bank. There's no doubt who's losing that money. It is the bank that lent me that money. And now they've got 5.2, you know, that they're paying me on that thing. I wish I had, you know, longer on that. But those are assets now for the consumer, but they are liabilities for the banks. So you start thinking and you're like, is there other banks? And maybe, you know, when I was talking about this amortization conversation, and we're taking it back to the Canadian banks for a second, you know, when, you know, we got Joe Investor or Joe, you know, Joe Consumer Spender going into the bank and saying, hey, you know, my mortgage payment was 2000 a month. Now it's 3000 a month. What can you do for me? Oh, we'll just extend your amortization from 25 years to 40 years. And we'll bring your payment back down to 2000 a month. Well, that helps the consumer out. But maybe the banks aren't doing that just to be nice. Maybe they're doing that because they don't want the houses. They're doing it a little bit out of necessity because the interest rates went up so much here. They're like, well, you know, so even on the variable ones here, these aren't actually assets at a certain point in time if the consumer can't make the payments. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to chew on here. The one thing that will keep us out of a financial crisis, I'm not saying we're going into financial crisis, but I'm saying there's a path there. The one thing that will keep us out is that the Fed can fix all this very quickly by just single you know, pivoting and you know lowering rates. So if we get into a situation where we have smaller banks starting to fail because they have really crappy long-term mortgage books, the Fed will have no choice but to start you know helping out by bringing interest rates back down. So lots to chew on. Here. Hasn't the damage already been done? The damage has been significantly done for some of these. And the SIVB, the damage is current right now. The stock is down 27% here. But it gets you thinking, like, why are the regional banks so weak? I'm like, well, maybe they all got really crappy long-term books. So maybe we can't just be worried that SVB is full of crappy venture capital loans. Maybe they're full of, you know, mortgages that, that are actually just not paying very much. And if that's the case, maybe there's other banks that are in the same precarious situation. So um, this is scary. So all I'm saying is I wouldn't want to be invested in the regional banks here right now, even though KRE is coming into major support here. uh, I'm concerned. And full disclosure, I'm short KBE, not KRE. So full disclosure, I do have um, just an overnight trading position in, in some of these, which I will trade out of today. So, but just saying that, there is concern here for, you know, just throwing blindly and saying, yeah, let's just jump in. These regional banks are really coming down. Dig deeper. Make sure they're not full of really crappy long-term mortgages. All right. I'm you know, the mention- thing with uh, just just to stay honest for one second, uh, it was so, that uh, that key bank yesterday, and I, you know, I have no idea what you know what assets they have or lack of assets, but you know, a bank giving lower guidance, I just it just did it? I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm like, what? You know, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. And uh, they they ended up. I mean, Key ended up holding up okay. They started hitting some of the other banks. Yeah. Uh, but this is um, this is this is something that you know that we really didn't need, and we just have to see what you know, how it spills over, but you know, the fed is not going to turn around and build. I mean, they're not going to pivot on something like this. This is uh this is a longer term problem. I got S I V B. I'm not even going to try and give support in this one S I. And then what's the other one that's related to it, Dennis? Uh, S B N Y. Okay. And that's okay. more yeah. on the S I. So Signature SIVB bank. is its own problems. It's not yes. related to the whole situation got with S I and S I V B. Some people would think that because they're all down huge today, yeah, but S B N Y and S I are related. 
similar. SI is obviously done, you know, that they're going to wind down the operations. So that's why it's down significantly there. SPNY has some some crypto exposure as well. So they're mm. worried about that one too. And then SIVB is a whole different can of worms, which we just went through. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you some names, at least in regional banks that sure. we went through on start uh, swing trade. Yeah. Um, so some of them that don't look that great. PNC, one of those, this chart to me just looks like it just... Somebody wants to get short on that one. Um, we'll look to see if that one breaks through kind of the 140. These look terrible. Yeah, yeah. This is our monthly It's support. flying under the radar because we're so caught up. And Mitch, this is such a fantastic point. Mate. We're so yeah. caught up in Apples and the Teslas yeah. and the NVIDIAs and the tech stocks. And a lot of these don't have debt. Too. like Tesla is a different story, but I mean, there's a lot of you know, you know, that don't an Apple can service their debt. But I mean, we're so caught up in you know, tech focused and the media as well. You know, we talk 90% about tech stocks because they're fun to talk about. But this is sliding totally under the radar. This problem, like, look at this PNC chart you're bringing up 165. Oh. It just lost 20 points here in the last month, Monthly support right down I- to the support, right down to we're right down near the lows, like, we're near the October lows here, Joel. I mean, these are not healthy looking charts. And then you start analyzing what we just did here. And you think, is there, are these banks that are lending all this? Like who's on the other side of these mortgages? That's what I want to know. There's got to be some banks. I mean, if you're holding holding a 30-year mortgage at 3.5%, the person who is on the other side of your mortgage is underwater in that. There's no doubt because it's 5.2%. It's just the rate right now on a two-year. So you're underwater in that. So, and in my case, like I said, I have a 1.64. I did a four-year 1.64 fixed about a year and a half ago on my rental property. And I mean, I can invest a 5.2. I'm literally just making money off. Arbitrage. What's that? Arbitrage. Yeah, I know. And that's why I called my bank. Somebody's asking, can you just go through it again? Yeah. When I realized, I'm like, holy, this is a great asset that I have right now, borrowing money at 1.64. I called my banker. I said, amortize that thing as far out as you can go so I can slow my payments down to a crawl. I don't want to pay off any principal. I, I'd like to pay zero, but you know you can't do that right now because it's only 1.64%. I'm like, I'm going to hold that as long as I possibly can. Now, again, I only have like 20 months left on it. So in 20 months, when it goes back up, I'll probably just pay the damn thing off because I have the money to do it. But that's a different story. I mean, right now, it's like, awesome. That's an asset. Well, there's other people that have those same assets out there. And it's if your fixed mortgage is 35 or 4% or less, it's an asset and that's a liability to these banks. And I think you're seeing in the trading action here, I think you're seeing that show up in some of the trading action in some of these regionals. I, I had a, a similar one and uh, for years and years and years and just kept rolling it over. And uh, I don't know, I think it was maybe like two, three years ago. They're like, uh, no, we're, we're not offering that anymore. And uh, so it wasn't available. But um, I looked at the uh, the PNC. You're looking at this 144 area where we're trading, trading at right now. That's been support since uh, January and February of uh, 2021. Trading below it right now. Co-America, not as heavily traded a bank. That uh, is at uh, a double bottom. That theoretically has supported 66. Uh, the KRE, that covers it all, right? That's just had a horrible sure. couple of days. Yeah. That even went down before the key bank. That uh, that went down with the market uh, on Monday. So are there any other ones that fall into, fall into this category? Yeah, um, I got you. You know, you know I'm go, all go, about Mitch. that Let's relationship. You ready? I'm going to rip through these. And yeah. you guys just make quick comments. And sure, uh, sure, PNC, we started. Yep. TFC is the next one. Truis. 
Financial Corporation. TFC? Um, TFC. Frank. TFC. Uh, oh. Okay. Um, then you got MTB, MNT Bank Corp. This one dropping fast. Looks like that 140 stands out to me. Then FITB, that's Fifth Third Bank Corp. And they all look kind of similar. Very ugly looking Heavy. charts. And yeah. then one more to just bring one in, Region, Regions Financial Bank. Um, this one's near actually the top. This one actually looks a little bit better to me to come after it now. But RF, Region Financial. Starting to fall the last two days, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a big move. Yeah, I mean, move. usually the more, of lower. And naturally, your thought process still is, you know, rising interest rate environment is good for the banks because you're charging your customers more interest. But not when you're all tied up. Not when you have that mismatch maturity problem. And that's the, that's the issue is really what we're talking about is mis- mismatch maturity. I mean, most of their deposits are short term. And if their book's long term, you're tied up in a long term book at three and a half or less. And you're paying out 5% to get deposits. Well, that's not good math. So, I mean, not all of the banks are going to be in this situation. I do believe the regionals are more, obviously, you get the big ones. There's so much more involved in other things. That's why we're picking on the regionals here because mortgages are a bigger proportion, at least. And I'm not, again, a banker. And But, you know, to my understanding, regionals are more involved in mortgages proportionally than probably some of your majors are. Majors still have lots of mortgages as well. But there's so many other businesses that can potentially, you know, help with that. You know, if you've got, you know, mortgage books that suck, we got all these other, you know, investment banking business and all the other things helping out. So regional banks may not be in the same situation. So, yeah, and you look at the KRE components here, um, SVB financial number one, um, just jumping, you know, and looking at all, there's just so many regional banks. I mean, this is very interesting to say the least and doesn't make me feel like, look at this one, FRC, First Republic, Joel. Here's another one. I'm just going through the charts. They, they huh. None of these look good. Zion Bank, right near the lows. What's that, I mean, ZB? Z- uh, Zebra ION. Okay. Um, just going through them. CFR looks kind of heavy here. Again, I'm Look just at, picking from um, the KRE here. So I'm, I'm, some of these are going to obviously be heavier more interesting than others. Interesting is uh, IAT. It's a ETF. That's a, it's a e- regional bank ETF. What is it? Um, that's iShares regional bank ETF. IAT. IAT, yeah. So just to kind of bring it, and you'll see how this looks these exactly all like together. a lot of I mean, these regional banks. Pick your banks. poison if you want to be bearish on I and, and and let's go look at options. I mean, maybe you know, there's certain times where you can be an option buyer, and it's when the market isn't pricing in the risk enough. So sometimes it's like, well, you short it, or maybe the options aren't crazy here. Let's go look KRE for instance, and maybe they are crazy, but we'll just go out look at the KRE. So it's trading at 57 bucks. If we go out, you got to give yourself enough time if you're making these calls. Don't go to like the weeklies. Go out to like you know June. See what the June is. Fifty-five puts. A buck, buck seventy. Buck it's 70. not crazy expensive. It's not great, but yeah. it's not crazy expensive here either. I think I mean, we need uh, we double. need an update in the market. <laughs> yeah, an update in the market to put some of these strategies on. You know how yeah, it is, right, that Dennis? Would help. That would help, right? That would help. Nice little update in the market. Bring that. I I don't feel great, though, Mitch, about, you know, and and especially when you were independently, you know, kind of looking at charts from a technical, and you're mostly a technician, and you're looking and and seeing the same thing. And then you get the fundamentals that are backing up what you're seeing technically. And you kind of got your ducks in a row here. And you're like, these regional banks, you, you need a bounce here. But man, I don't think I want to own any of these things. 
Yeah. And I, and I think now I, I, I just play a little bit of leader laggard, right? The leaders that are, have already broken down for five, six days. Well, I'm not going to be able to probably catch up to those trades, but I can catch up to the ones that are just starting to fall. So I'm going to keep an eye out. How will maybe the regional banks slowly start trickling into the global banks? Do you think that that will happen, Dennis, where if the regional banks keep coming and getting hit, they go after the global banks? Oh, I think so. I, I think it's I think it's a scary adventure here to be going in the banks right now. So just don't go blindly thinking, well, who benefits from higher rates? It's the banks. Let's own the banks. Because yeah. the mismatch maturity throws a whole wrench into that. So I think I'm just ca- – I'd be cautious right now. I, I, I would not want to buy any banks at all. But you just wonder if this isn't all just flying under the radar because we're so caught up just in tech stocks and the fun. And, and I mean, everybody's talking about Tesla. I mean, CNBC hasn't even mentioned any of this stuff we're talking about. Nothing. Not, not nothing. Maybe Silvergate, but they're, you know, I don't even know if the SIV because it's down twenty percent will eventually get a mention. But I've had yeah. it on the background here. I haven't seen it mentioned yet. So I mean, yeah, there's they'll, a lot of get to it. To they need here. to watch our show first and get some content. Well, that's right? what they do. Yeah, they do do that. <laughs> we know that. We have that confirmed from. You know, uh, we 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 do know that. Jason Rasmussen yeah. confirmed that. Yeah. So that they uh-uh. they watch our show and do borrow content, but we watch their show and borrow content too. Hey, so this is how it, it works. Finding, I watch I mean, the I, I watch all the time. I borrow content. Yeah, there exactly. The there's nothing we hidden out content. here. We share content. We share content. Information's information. It's how you use it that matters, right? That's um, it. Yeah. So, and so one thing Joel, just to note, uh, I, I've been, been – yeah, for a second. He'll be right okay. back. Uh, he'll turn his camera on in a second. Now, one uh, bank that I have been seeing starting to come down fast is Bank of America, and it doesn't look like the best chart also – um, you guys can see this kind of declining uh, wedge. This looks like we've c- come up here multiple times to the resistance, rejected 38s. Now we reject 36, right back down towards the lows. So if we start breaking, let's say through the 30s, where does Bank of America stop from there? Next stop is around like 2750s. But I mean, this doesn't look great. And of course, will Goldman Sachs hang on to that 340s? It looks like it's coming right back down to break those 340s. So I'm keeping an eye on that one. JPM just started breaking a trend line here around the 140 levels. So I'm going to be looking if JPM could get back to that 140 level. I don't mind risking off of like 143 for a short as long as it it can bounce a little bit here. It's already coming down to 136.61s in the pre-market. Yesterday's low was 136.87. We'll look to see what happens to these global banks. But yeah, it's it's an interesting play, Dennis. These have been really strong for so long. I mean, we could look at like XLF, right? Uh, the financials. You have seen how this has had a nice little January, yeah, but slowly starting yet. to slowly yeah. starting to break. Yeah. Right? This 36 here on XLF, that looks like major resistance to me. I mean, yeah, we've gone up there slightly, but I mean, just slightly, right? Yeah. That's I have the pair trade on right now. And again, I'm going to take this out. This is an overnight trade. So just full disclosure, I'm long XLF, short KBE, because mm-hmm. I was of the opinion that the regionals are going to have a rough day today here. Um, yeah. And the majors won't have nearly as rough of a day. But, you know, that's just the trade. But again, I'm going to get out of that. So full disclosure. But, you know, just talking, you know, positionally, I don't have anything on here. But mm-hmm. you start thinking like, man, there could be some problems here. Some problems under the hood here for some of these banks. And that's why you're seeing this new weakness here in and, the banks. And then as, as we get that weakness and we get the the worry, will we finally find out about worrying about like a firm and upstart, right? Those types of companies that have been just lending and lending and lending. Well, that's I really feel like these will be yeah. a part of a disaster, part of the story, right? I mean, we've been looking at this. 
my only question is do we really get into worry like to the concern time and uh let's go back 830 number here match yeah let's get to it uh Here's, here comes the jobless numbers, so we're going to pay attention. I'll give you guys the estimate here. Estimate is 195, prior 190. Let's see if we keep going on what the lower end of that initial jobless claim. So, like, let's say if we get a 180-something number, that's not going to be good. A higher job claim number could be good for the market as you're starting to see, finally, unemployment get a little bit of a spike. Let's find out here. 829. We're about to get also continuous jobless claims. So pay attention to that. We'll Lots see what happens about. there. Lots to chew on here. Um, we'll get in the comments. Let's do the 830 number, and then we'll continue this conversation here. I know okay. we got some individual stocks to, to talk to. Etsy down significantly on a double downgrade here. <laughs> also, American Express did a buyback. So there's some interesting individual stories. But let's get this 830 number. We are yep. very wide here right now. We yeah, are rallying. Wide. We're rallying up here again. You know, I still Whoa, rally, rally. Okay, shop well, fast. Rally, I'm still calling rally. shoppy, shoppy waters it is, ahead it here. Is. Uh, coming up on our mid-range on the session right here as we head into the number. So it far, ignoring up. this bank news, let me get the S&P 500 index futures here up. Um, let's see. We're in the 3990 handle. Got there. the number here. Initial jobless claims coming in at 211,000 versus 195,000 estimate. That is good for the bull story. Finally getting initial jobless claims to start heading in the right direction. Uh, you Continuous jobless claims also coming in hot. 1.718,000 uh, versus 1.659,000. Uh, prior was 1.655. That should be in the millions. I don't know why they put the thousands there, but 1.718 million uh jobless claims getting a little bit of a spike that's actually a good outlook right that's what we kind of need it's okay for I eventually mean, that's what the, we want the big numbers yeah. tomorrow i mean mm -hmm. that's the big this is a good indication here uh perhaps for that number tomorrow so we're we're just hanging in this area boy what another i said yesterday was an important day for the market i think today's too people don't want to lean too long into that report tomorrow and you know think about taking some chips off the table what a what a reset and what a choppy day yesterday too right yeah. at the end of the session we're gonna close on the lows and they bring it right back up that, that, when he's uh when uh powell's testifying man you, you just like hands off the keyboards i mean that's just uh um just very hard but uh special programming note folks um, the reason I stepped away for a second is uh, I tried to see if I could get Nate Tolbik on uh, oh, the, the complete good, bank eh? data report. Yeah. And his immediate response is, you know what's going on with the banks right now? I am so busy, but um, I'm going to do a special bank report today at 1130 on premarketprep.com. And we're going to bring we're going to bring uh, Nate on, get his uh, let him uh, uh, assess the situation. Yeah, I, yeah. Also, I also reached out to um, our good old buddy who we haven't talked to in years. And uh, his phone number would got changed. Tim Melvin. Wouldn't right, you love Tim to hear from too. Tim Melvin on this? Yeah, and, uh, our good. banking expert. So I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm going to be able to get him uh, at 1130. But you go to premarketprep.com and you'd be there at 1130. And uh, you'll get uh, some more information on the uh, on uh, what the bank contagion or, or possibility. But market's acting okay. Uh, we're almost back. It unchanged here. Uh, unchanged on the session. That comes in at 39.95. Evan Banks making a not comment. Participating here much though. 
think about that. Just, um, you know, we just had this conversation here, obviously, but banks have come up a little bit here, but we're still, even though the S&Ps are red, I'm just looking at the banks across the board. They're all, or the S&Ps just went green. Okay. The, the, the banks are still holding heavy red here. So there's obviously, they see what's happening with certain banks here today. And it's mm-hmm. concerning. Um, a comment in the chat that I, I just wanted to note there. Uh, they were like, um, it's weird to hear Mitt say that he wants high employment. Well, the, the truth is, is that that's what we're going to need right now. If you really want the Fed to pivot, you, you need kind of high unemployment. That's what's going to need to happen. Um, is it is it a positive thing? Not really. I mean, you, you guys heard all the politics yesterday and all that meeting. But the truth is, we're going to have to break demand. And a lot of that is first breaking the labor market, and then you could pivot, right? Then if we get unemployment to spike, let's say up above that four percent, yeah, we'll start seeing. Yeah, a Ty bit was of talking about. Ty Gordon was talking about that on the on the closing print. He's like, he he had his finger on like that the put hedge button yesterday, uh, and he said he's just he's just so convinced that he's keeping a close eye on that too. But. Uh, once again, uh, if you're out there buying the dip in the markets today, uh, you're yeah. being rewarded. Coming I think up. if we get a good rip today, I'm going to lighten up the portfolio, a long-term portfolio, even further. Because I think there's more issues here than meets the eye. So mm-hmm. this research, we're getting a nice rally here now. This is more of a gift, in my opinion. We get back up near that 400 spy. I think I'm going to take some more chips off the table. Because I think we have more problems here than anybody is catching on to. Sell the rips! Yeah, I'm sell always the selling rips. the rips, but I'm more convicted on the sell the rip here today. All right, let's go to some uh, micro news. Spy. Let's another, go another to... ten. Let's give us another ten handles. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, if we get back yeah. in the four hundred, we'll you're see. Get it. I don't know if we're gonna get it either, but I'm hoping. Let's go to BJ Wholesale Club. Uh, they reported their earnings here. Q4 adjusted EPS at a dollar beat the eighty-seven cent estimate. Sales at four point nine three billion beat the four point eight billion estimate. BJ Wholesale Comparable Club sales grew nine point eight percent year over year. Um, and then when you take a look at their fiscal year twenty-three comparable sales growth outlook it's at four to five percent year over year membership fee income to grow five percent to six percent and eps to remain flat year over year bj's has been doing really really well um i think we keep getting good mentions from walmart sam's club that keeps me to think that yeah bj's can keep kicking it out the water Again, this is, you know, defensive, people buying, people going in bulk. I mean, this is just the type of stock that continues to work in this environment. We talked about this just, I feel like we were talking about this last week when it was dipping. Mm-hmm. Weren't we talking about this one that I thought we mentioned BJ? Yeah, we but, were going through it with maybe Costco. Uh, yeah, Costco I think so. I mean, and... this is one that just continues to work. So sure. uh, even in a, in a recessionary environment, it's a stock that holds up better here. So major resistance up at 80, but I wouldn't just automatically fade this. 77.60, uh, that's your last print. Uh, your pre-market high came in just above 79. Dennis has alluded to this beautiful double top that you had just above 80. Uh, those pair of highs were 80-30 and 80-41. I see one other sneaky high, though, ahead of it that I'd keep an eye on if I was on the stock. 79-38 was your November 16th high. 
All right, let's go to the next stock here that had earnings. Let's go to Asana, somebody's favorite stock. I remember someone talking about it, guest. Uh, Q4 EPS loss of 15 cents beat the loss of 27 cent estimate. Sales of 1.5, uh, 150.23 million beat the 145.07 million estimate. They do see Q1 revenue to 151 million versus 149.97 million estimate. Q1 EPS to a loss of 18 cents and a loss of 19 cents versus a loss of 23 cent estimate. It's not making money. But I, I mean, I guess some people still like the Asana story. I'm not really a fan. I'll tell you that. And it's come off the highs. It just got absolutely insane last night. And again, this may be short squeeze, whatever it was. These earnings weren't great. They initially hit it on the earnings and then they just squeezed the hell out of everyone. And they brought this to $24 last night. When the circus is in town, Joel, you're on mute. When the when when the when when the circus is in town, you've gotta sell those peanuts. The circus was in town. The elephants were, you know, balancing on balls and you throwing peanuts in the air and grabbing them and everything. Sell those peanuts, folks. Sell those peanuts when the circus is in town. Absolutely stupid rally last night up to twenty four. It's already back down to twenty. Right over twenty four. Oh. And if you were quick on your uh on your looking at your dailies, you would have said twenty four forty seven. That was the October 22nd high. I bet you we didn't quite get there. We got to 24.36. So, and now you're leaking. I, I mean, now you also have people that are stuck at caught in this rally. Um, now, what's the top of yesterday's range? I don't know if we're going to see that, but maybe a longer term if you want to get to this thing. Maybe look at the $18 area, 18.11 and 18.18 uh, were the highs from the last two sessions and uh you know who uh uh we haven't talked about in a while um old dustin dustin moskovitz he's the ceo he just kept mitch can you pull up how much stock this guy's bought in the last uh in um in instance maybe just put it in pro <laughs> yeah yeah and that was the same last he wanted to buy more he put a filing in to buy an more i mean this amount. person buys their stock they believe in their company there's no inside of buys it seems like a sentence non-stop it was always yeah it seems like, like he's maybe taking a little bit of a break because we haven't mentioned it lately he has yeah. he has taken a little bit of a break but it, it's kind of funny more. that you guys bring this up because i actually was uh look i was talking to uh someone that works at benzinga and they were they were asking me mitch what do you think about insider buys right that what do you think about them do you think that they have like an edge and stuff like that i was like well i, I think and sometimes they can have an edge if it's like a massive buy, right? But a lot of the times it could be a moment like this where Asana, where this guy has been building and building and building a position. You can see every time there's director here on the right-hand side, anything that's short, that's him buying there. Um, but you, you guys can see massive amount of buying there in Asana. But that doesn't mean that the stock's going up, right? And I think that that's another thing to keep in mind. So for me, insider buys aren't the biggest edge there. I don't know. What do you guys think about so, insider well, it buys? It depends. I mean, sometimes they get lifts on them, but this has had so many insider buys that people have become almost numb to how much she was buying of the stock. I mean, you love to see yeah. insiders buy that give their own stock a vote of confidence. I love to see when a CEO comes in and is willing to buy their own shares. I mean, we had Aubrey McClendon, remember, on Chesapeake that just kept, he was, he went so hard in, he was borrowing money to buy a stock. And that didn't help it at the end. I mean, it was, it ran into problems and, you know, he lost a pile of his money for obviously at the car crash and, 
and he died tragically. But I mean, he lost a pile of his money investing in his own company. So I love the vote of confidence there. Obviously, the CEO is a completely different situation too. The CEO is really rich, is he not? I, the, the backstory here. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he, he, he was rich. I think he's buying. So, but I mean, I, 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 you know, a lot more oh, money man. than your average CEO. So, yeah, lots yeah. to think about. Lots to chew on here. Another, another rally here. Just, uh, just ninety-nine. Yeah. We want four hundred spy. Yeah, that's what I'm going at. Four hundred spy today. Pushing gonna, back. Pushing back. The, Joel, fix the mic. Fix the mic. I need to fix the mic cue. We need a little signal for it. <laughs> All right, let's get now. I'm going to get out of this. Let's go ahead and out of the sauna. Let's get to our guest today. Smash the like button. Let's keep it going right here. Pre-market prep. <music> Jeremy Schwartz, Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree. Welcome back on, Jeremy. Good to see you, Mitch, Joel, Dennis. Great to be with you. All right, let's get right towards the market. How do you react first about all what's going on, different situations in the banks? But uh, we'll, we'll do a little mix. Silvergate Capital, SIVB. What do you think about the situation that's going on right now? The, you know, the headlines, un unfortunately, it's it's so much about the Fed. Like, we can't avoid the narrative. You got, you know, Powell testifying and, and, and the market's taking all the cues from the interest rates. Obviously, the crypto scenario has its own set of situations in, and uh, with, with Silvergate there. But the 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 market itself, like, it, it started popping a bit as the rates started trending down after this uh, the weekly jobless claims came out, and and so it's it's all about the Fed. Tomorrow's a big day. It, it's actually arguably more important than the inflation report coming next week. Even though some of the uh, some of the I, I saw some people tweeting about how volatility estimates for next for this Friday versus next Tuesday, you know, for versus the inflation next Tuesday was higher for the inflation than the jobs report. But it, it, the jobs report is arguably now the key thing for Powell on how much tightening has to do, how much wage pressures are there. They're taking their cues from that as, as, as where is there still inflation in the system? So jobs Friday, critical number. Um, and, and even just a little side, it, it's, it's another strange dynamic of weakness is good for the markets because they're the view, the fed pivot is coming. Um, now, you know, what's holding the market up this year is, we don't have the recession that jobs have been holding in. The economy is not slowing down. Earnings can come in better than the real bears fear that because we just haven't seen the economic impact yet. So we've got this, this strange dynamic in the markets here. Jeremy, we were talking before we came on the show and I'm not sure how much you were listening, but we were talking about uh interesting situation, not so much with Silvergate because everybody knows kind of the story there, but we're moving into this other big down move over the day, which is SVB Financial. Um, I don't know if you follow this bank or if you follow it closely, but down 29% here today. And I was just digging up last night and looking at, you know, some of their problems lie in the fact that they've got um, a mortgage book that's over 10 years extended out. And some of these mortgages yielding downwards of 1.62, 1.63%. So mixed match maturity issues here. Um, just want to bring this to a bigger issue. Are there is there the potential, Jeremy, you think that there's more like we automatically think that higher interest rates are good for banks. But when you get mismatched maturities where you get the short term and the inverted, I mean, this necessarily isn't always good 
for banks. And is there the possibility that some of these regional lenders maybe be sitting on a lot of ugly long-term mortgages and obviously in a rising interest rate environment, that isn't really the best place to be? One of the inverted yield curve is also not helpful for them, right? Because it's, 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 raising, I, yeah. it's raising some of the short-term costs of borrowing. And on the longer end, you know, are they getting as much from new loans? And some of it comes back to, you know, people who have the debt, you know, like a lot of people refinance at extremely low rates. And there's not, in a way, it's been a, a, a real net benefit to a lot of people who have mortgages at low rates and who are now collecting a lot more interest income because treasury is yielding so much more. Uh, so we had a conversation with Warren Mosler on my podcast and, and Mosler's on one of the guys who's challenging orthodoxy that these higher rates are restricting the economy since their higher rates are stimulating the economy because people are earning so much more income yeah. uh, very regressively are earning much more interest income. And you haven't seen the flow of refinancings hurt people yet. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about Silicon Valley Bank, so I, it's hard for me to talk the details on yeah. the specific issue. Just but talking I, in general. I, I, you know, it's, you wouldn't be surprised to see more downturns in housing prices. Now, the, you know, the, the question is, how does the today balance sheet of banks compare to the financial crisis? You know, during the financial crisis, a lot of the banks held all these securities that they thought were rated triple A that ended up becoming rated much less and then they became much more risk averse. So I think bank balance sheets are in a lot better shape than they used to be. Yeah. Um, and so I'd, I'd have, I want to look into the details of this one to see what particularly is triggering losses. Is it a mark to market in some ways with higher rates or is it just that they think there's going to be a lot more losses and people defaulting? What, what, you know, was there a detail on why, What's causing the loss? Well, again, this was just SIVB situation is interesting because it was just a capital raise last night. And this is what, you know, I started researching last night, late last night, because I wasn't following the story closely. And you think, oh, capital raise, ah, they knock four or five percent off the price. And then they start knocking it down 15, 20 percent. You're like, what's going on? So then you start digging deeper. And, you know, obviously this is Silicon Valley. So they have a lot of venture capital. So yeah. there's bad loans out there, I'm sure. But, you know, some uh, research just looking was that, you know, they've got a really bad mortgage book where they've got, you know, some long-term mortgages with 10 plus years on them at very low yields. And this right. curve is definitely not helping them. So I'm just thinking like, and, and take it away from this bank. I'm like, this, you know, my own personal situation I was talking about, Jeremy, is I've got a rental property and I'm in, I'm in Ontario and I've got, they do typically five-year fixed here. Um, I'm in like the third year of a five-year fixed at 1.63%. So I called up my banker about three, four months ago and said, extend that amortization out as far as you possibly can because this is free money for me. I'm literally just what you were just talking about. I'm like borrowing from the bank at 1.64% and I can take it and invest in risk-free assets at 5.2%. i am just yes. picking up free money here. I'm like, it's awesome. That mortgage, which was a liability, obviously, a year and a half ago is all of a sudden an asset. But some of these banks on the other side of these mortgages are, are stuck in these things for maybe a, a prolonged period of time. And that's not good news for them. And then we look at the KRE and it's sitting down near the December lows, not looking healthy at all. KB is starting to come off too. Obviously, Kerry uh, uh, maybe had some of that SI in there, which didn't help it. But I just get into a situation looking at here and saying, these banks, you know, with the higher interest rates and the inverted yield curve, 
maybe actually struggling here and maybe he's going to struggle to hit the numbers next quarter. And, and when you say the banks, like, you know, why is, why is higher rates a positive to, to banks? Part of it, right, so, and why is the short-term pickup very positive? It's because the banks aren't paying us consumers the proper rate on our checking accounts, right? The banks could go earn 5% risk-free and the yeah. checking account balance is you're getting paid zero. So like checking yes. accounts cost you 5%. Like it's, it's really robbery of what they are not paying us the appropriate rate. I mean, this is something Wisdom Tree is trying to solve for in our app, Wisdom Tree Prime, where we're going to build wallets with tokens that you could you know, eventually spend from the tokens and earn, you know, your, what you really properly deserve in treasury. It's a, a big initiative um, right now. It's just sort of weightless mode on the wallet, but it's something we're, we're building towards. But I, that that's the, the reason why one of the things is banks have this low cost of financing and deposits. They're not pe paying people their proper rates and check accounts. But the um, there, you know, one of the interesting data points that we've talked about as a sign for inflation, but it's, it, it comes back to bank lending is the money supply is contracting. Like this is one of the things we said the Fed should be more worried about that money supply from M2 is contracted almost 2% after it exploded 40%. Well, what does that represent? It represents the fact that banks are making less loans, that that not, there's less demand for new loans. Um, and, and that's what the, the sort of lower M2 supply shifts. So that is one of the headwinds for these banks in aggregate is that and you see that in the money supply contracting that that there's less demand for new loans. Jeremy Schwartz, chief investment officer over at Wisdom Tree. Give me something positive. Give us something. <laughs> well, the we're, we got to be getting closer. As much as Powell says, we're we're continuing going after it. We've got to be getting closer to the end of this cycle. Earnings are holding in. Um, you know, hey, you can get the five percent without taking a lot of risk. That's not exciting. But in Treasuries, you could get five percent. So, you know, at the short end, you're earning so much better on your cash than you had for the last decade. So that's a very big positive. And then it's like, well, where do you want to take risk? Where are you paid to take risk? High yield bonds yielding eight to nine, depending on which basket you buy. You know, for at Wisdom Tree, WFHY is our high yield ETF that has some quality screens. I like that because you're, you're you earn eight percent. I think the S and P is priced for around eight percent over the long run, which is sort of a five percent real, three percent inflation. Um, based on a little bit lower than 20 PE ratio. If you get 8% in high yield bonds that had half the volatility of stocks historically, that's a nice trade also. So, hot, you know, the sort of income back in fixed income is a big tagline for what the environment is. Um, but hey, the economy is holding up. So earnings will be better than feared is the thing that's encouraging for the markets. What about right. the, go ahead, go ahead, Mitch, I'm sorry. No worries. I'm going to jump in here. I did want to talk of you. We just talked about a little bit about the Fed, Jeremy, of course. Uh, I talked to many economists before that were all just stuck on 25 basis points from here on out. Do you really think that we could get that 50 basis point hike? And what could that do to the markets since everyone was already looking at like the 25 basis points? Ask me at like 845 tomorrow, even <laughs> though I'm going to be ski. I mean, I'm, I'm traveling to Park City tonight to go skiing. So I, I <laughs> unfortunately will be be trying to have some fun. But, you know, tomorrow's a big day. I, You know, the market certainly is saying 
they raise the probability and that itself is self-reinforcing because the Fed could say we're not going to shock the markets. But I would be careful from reading too hot of an economic situation. Yes, some of the data is coming that way, but there's other sort of real-time indicators. One of my friends, Peter Bookvar, pointed out that ZipRecruiter's earnings call, this is sort of one of these forward-looking job sites. They post jobs. They saw a surge in people looking for jobs and a dramatic drop in posting. So their January revenue was down 15% year over year. That's not a positive sign for the job market. Um, and so you, you sort of start questioning the efficacy. You don't want to be the, these conspiracy people who say this data is just completely wrong. Although we're saying that on inflation, that the inflation data is completely wrong. Perhaps the jobs data is wrong. And, you know, the Fed becomes, you know, eventually they start seeing this show up and, and eventually it shows up. Um, and so I, I still think there's a possibility, even though the market's now pricing 50 I'm biased towards saying weaker tomorrow, and then maybe it's it's 25. But let's uh, let's see what the numbers are before we let you go. I just uh, you know being S and P centric here. I look at this mega cap tech and uh, Apple. You know, holding in there. Uh, these are the big components. You know, of the index. Uh, you have a, just a, a broad outlook on on mega tech. Uh, mega cap tech. I mean, a lot of people are looking at the small caps. Uh, yes, for the S and P to go. Where where are you at on this, Jeremy? I prefer small caps. I'm with the, the people who are saying small caps are a better buy. I, I like the discounts. Maybe too much of a value investor, but I say 11 to 12 PEs on small caps at uh -huh. Wisdom Tree. Um, we have Dividend Family, Earnings Family. All of them are 11 to 12 PEs. Uh, when the S and P's at 18 to 19, I think that's it's got a margin of safety built into it that big tech doesn't. I mean, the big tech piece are in the mid twenties and that, you know, it's just a higher hurdle rate that they have to live up to. And so earnings expectations are higher. You get 5% in treasuries versus a 4% earnings yield. I mean, it, you're upside down on that in, in big tech versus, Hey, I get a 9% earnings yield in small caps. That's still a good cushion over treasuries. And uh, that's where I would be. How's the professor? Is he still pounding the table that, uh, <laughs> that the he had to push back his thesis? I mean, we he thought the Fed was going to pivot much quicker because we thought there would be a lot more weakness in the jobs reports, and unfortunately, the the, the data hasn't come in. Unfortunately, you know, we you know, <laughs> all these questions about you know to Powell. You really want unemployment to rise? No, we don't want unemployment to rise, but we think he's being too tight that it will rise, and. You know, and so unfortunately, the data is not coming in to show they could pivot. So it, it leads him into making a bigger mistake is is, I think, part of His the thesis. He's sticking with it. OK, Jeremy Schwartz, he's the chief investment officer at Wisdom Tree. You'd be safe out there on that ski trip. OK, I'm going to try. It's the first time skiing in a few years. So we're going to try. All right. <laughs> Have Thanks fun, again. man. Later, Jeremy. Have a good uh, one. S, yep. S&Ps, I mean, we're boiling here. We're up yep. three and a quarter handles at 98 and a quarter. So some optimistic. Got all kinds of support to lean on from the lows from the last couple sessions. And then that also goes right back into the, the Friday Globex low. Uh, I think if you're looking for somewhere, we kind of had a nervous market yesterday because um, Powell was testifying. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so, you, but today I, 
I don't think he's saying anything. So I think if you get through 03 and a quarter, I know that that's, uh, that's only uh, five, six handles away. Not much, not much up on the outside there. Uh, we'll see if people are peeling out, but uh, that would be my key to, key to a, a sustained rally here for uh, Dennis to get his uh, 400 level that he was talking about. In not too far spot. away. Hoping no? we can get up back up there. And uh, yeah, I'm in the full sell the rip camp here. Not so much by the dip. Again, still thinking we're going to chop around a lot. The stuff we're talking about this morning major media is not talking about it all we're early on this we're early on this but it's something to think about mm-hmm. so it's something like that doesn't make me nah, i'm not gonna go jump on and buy any regional banks right now i'm not gonna <laughs> it's more of a word of caution to the value investor that looks at some of these regional banks and says it's trading 10 12 times earnings how can i go wrong this is how you can go wrong so they're just not as simple as like low pe buy like that outlook, and uh, looks like we have another guest in the background here. Uh, Joel, you want to bring him on? You want to announce him on here? Uh, is it Mr. Melvin? Of course. Well, He's, ready. Melvin, He's ready. He's yeah. ready. Look at that. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's bring him on here. Tim Melvin, how are we doing? Welcome We're to doing the show. Great. You guys, Joel, you caught me out walking the dog this morning with your email, and I came back in at like 8.53. I'm like, oh, man, I hope I didn't miss it. So here we are. Perfect. And I hear uh, hear Dennis talking about regional banks, and I think his comments were spot on. You got to be careful here. Yeah. So, Tim, tell us. And again, we got this situation here happening, and this is not you know a typical regional bank we're talking about SIVB because Silicon Valley venture capital, lots of other stuff happening yeah. there. Venture, but what's venture. concerning to me was looking, you know, and, and just researching last night, and if their mortgage book is really tied up in long term mortgages at lower rates, and obviously you got this inverted yield curve pressuring that, that's not a good recipe here. Do you think there's other regional banks that maybe have some ugly mortgage books right now? I'm not worried about the mortgage books. I'm not going to lose any sleep over the mortgage books. Okay. It's, um, yeah, they may be a little bit lower rate, but that has a tendency to adjust. Dennis, you know, they'll be putting on new paper. A lot of the smaller regionals are selling that paper. There's still a really active securitization market. Okay. Um, the bigger concern right now, when we look at all these banks, is rates are going to go higher. That's a problem for the banks that reached too soon for yield. Okay. They came out when rates were close to zero and they said, oh my God, I got to get some yield in here. So they bought mortgage backs and they bought treasuries and they bought municipals at very low yields. Well, guess what happened when rates went from zero to four and three quarters? They got killed. Now, thanks to the brilliant folks that set the accounting standards, Anything that's held in your available for sale portfolio as a bank, you have to take that mark against earnings and book every quarter. Some of these guys really got stupid. And I'm, and I'm sorry, if you're buying a 30-year bond when rates are at zero and you're paying two, you don't get to claim intelligence. That was stupid. <laughs> okay. There you go. So that's... That's going to continue to be a problem for some banks. Most banks uh, are just going to hold these things to maturity. You know, they took, you know, 15% hits on their security book, 20%, and that's okay. There's some banks out there that lost half their book value. That's not okay. (laughs) So that's, look, Silvergate's gone because of uh, mortgages. I mean, uh, securities. Everybody's like, oh, it was the crypto. No, it wasn't. Crypto was the, was the, the, what lit the fuse. They had to sell securities they bought because, you know, in the early couple of years ago, they were generating a ton of cash. 
they don't have the mortgage book to just or loan book to justify that. So they were buying securities to cover those holes in the balance sheet. They had to sell securities. Now, when you have the maturities and you take the mark and you hold them in maturity, you get the whole mark back. Okay. When you sell them, you take the mark and it's permanent. So they went from a temporary loss of capital to a permanent loss of capital when they sold. Hmm. All their equity was gone. Hmm. Had they not had to sell, they could have rode this out. Now, looking at um, SIVB, Silicon Valley Bank Corp. Sure. Dumbest Tim trade ever. Bought this stock in the 90s, watched the triple, figured that was way too much for a bank and sold it. We're talking like 15 to 45. Okay. Oh, okay. wow. <laughs> you saw where that bank went. Yeah, we 370. Can, yeah. yeah, in the in the aftermath of uh, COVID, uh, we put it on just a little bit under 200. That worked out real well. Uh, took some gains on that and put it out you know, as a public recommendation as well. Uh, venture capital is getting ready to have the worst year it's had since 2008. Venture capital is a big part of Silicon Valley Bank Corp, SIVB. It's a big part of their business. They're going to take some marks. Fair value is right around 200. So if you get it 150 and you've got that big discount to um, to fair value, then I think you start to get real interested in the stock. I think it's pre-market. I was looking at 195 this morning. I that's still holding. 189, yeah. 189. Down around 150, you got to start getting interested in that. That is hey, a Tim, really good Tim I, I got I just one question for you. I got to hop in a second. Um, okay, well. I'm not looking for uh, individual, you know, banks or names or anything, but you've always talked over the years about like how many are in like the buy zone. Like, and I know you're very uh, disciplined and you've had, had the same strategy. And there's some times where you've you've come on and say, yeah, the, you know, there's a quite a few that are are meeting my criteria. Um, in this in this current environment, uh, is the list uh, a little bit depleted, or is it starting to uh, you starting to get some uh, a few banks in there? There's two answers to that. Okay, <laughs> one larger regional banks. Okay, um, pretty depleted. Okay, small tiny community banks. Those trade by appointment. You know. Yep. We know. bill stocks. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of that. That list is growing. Okay. okay. But, but we are we are talking now banks to trade 1500 2000 shares a day so okay really you can small. buy you can buy them but you just got to be patient you know, it's okay. and i tell people don't think of trading bank stocks we're buying a bank here Okay. All right. I'm going to hop. I'll let you guys finish up, Tim. I'm I'm glad I caught you. The, you the, the phone number I called wasn't any good, so I'll have to get a new phone from you. I'll, I'll send that to you, Joe. Sorry about Thank that. Thank you, sir. Thanks for no coming worries. on such short notice. Tim Malvin completely gives you the bank information that you need. Thanks, Tim. Good seeing Tim. you guys. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Joel. Joel's getting out of here. Tim, appreciate you coming on and, and giving us some information. Let's wrap up what, here, Dennis. What is so interesting about this rally and with the conversation that we just had about Yeah, the let's banks, get to it. Is the banks are not rallying at all right now. Yep. I mean, Citigroup is still down. Bank of America is still down. They didn't even rally a sniff here. We just rallied 15 handles on the S&P, and the banks didn't rally at all. Mm -hmm. Bank of America is sitting at the lows of the session. Even Morgan this, Stanley that it was hanging on, right? This had that earnings gap. Yeah. I could see that earnings gap closing now, especially since there's no real strength in the banks. And this is coming right back down to 95. This is actually going to be on my radar here for live trading coming up. 
I'm going to keep this watch on Morgan Stanley, see if we close that gap. Goldman, uh, Goldman Sachs, will we go to the 340? JPM definitely on my radar today too. Bank of America has just been really kind of hit hard here. Uh, Wells Fargo, definitely not the areas that I'll be looking for strength. The only area that I, I've continued to see strength in, it's technology, right? I mean, technology has continued here. This is my sector outlook. And you guys yeah. can see how uh, yesterday and the kind of like the day prior, we bought the dip, pulled back a little bit, could push a little bit higher in technology. What do you feel about some of these tech names? Especially well, some the of the semis? tech names don't have any debt. So you've got to look at that too here. And I mean, we've been talking about this, you know, in a rising interest rate environment. Eventually, some of these companies that really have a lot of debt are going to, you know, have a lot higher interest payments going forward. You know, some of this debt's going to mature. They're going to have to refinance at higher rates. And that's going to hit their bottom line. I mean, there's a lot of tech companies that are debt free. So, I mean, I, I think if you're investing at this point in time, I think it's very important to look at the balance sheet. Look at what you're investing in. What obviously, you know, you want to see growth, you want to see all that stuff, but you want to see what, what's the debt situation here? Because is there, you know, a substantial amount of debt that's actually going to eventually impact the bottom line when they have to refinance? That's something to think about there. So it's not surprising, like this conversation we just had doesn't really apply to a lot of these bigger tech companies. A lot of these don't even have debt. But just as much as some of these banks are underwater, some of the really heavy cyclicals have a lot of debt too. So, you know, if yeah. you get, you know, prices actually starting to come down, and, and not that that has happened much yet, but if you start to see it and, you know, the interest rate expenses start to go up, I mean, that's going to squeeze margins for some of these cyclicals too. So just think about all that stuff. I think right, right. now, if I'm looking to invest, I want to be looking at companies with relatively low debt or no debt, and which is a lot of tech companies. So I think, you know, there is a place for tech here still in the portfolio, but you got to, you know, find the right ones and, you know, you just can't jump in blind here. And I still think overall, we're going to be in a choppy sideways market. But right now, banks are a no touch for me until I start figuring out, you know, how, um, you know, especially the regionals, maybe some of the majors maybe in a little better situation. But I, I think some of these banks are value traps here. Yeah, we'll keep watching. We'll see what happens. Yesterday, uh, best trade on the day was a, a day trade I got on AMD. It's pushing strong. I don't have it right now, but we'll keep watching. This has really gotten strong since that Daniel Loeb uh, pass active stake. Um, so keep watch to see what happens there on AMD. It is pushing. We'll see what happens in some of these tech names. And it's you guys been can such keep an up. interesting year, Mitch. I just want to stay yeah. on that point here because yeah, we had such a value outperforming growth year in 2022, and we are not seeing that in 2023. No, you we know, we've not. seen some of the oil stocks, the value oil stocks coming down. We've seen some of the yeah. consumer staples, which you know, some of them have lower PEs coming down. And then we've seen growth stocks actually starting to show a bit. And I mean, turning, we talked about the 50% retracements in some of these. You know, it's interesting, you know, and not that Kathy's gonna be right here at the end, but she can be right in the short term here. And I'm actually more inclined to buy tech companies that are growing here as opposed to buying the value names here with a lot of debt so again some value names are really good buy um but again look at the balance sheet and look at that but we're starting to see in this year that tech is starting to an apple to apple's point you know and obviously holding up well yeah Microsoft holding up well i can see 155 showing up i mean soon. there's relative strength here and Apple, yes, they have some debt, but they don't have a lot of debt relative. You know, they could pay that off if they needed to. We know the only reason they borrowed was because money cash. was really cheap. <laughs> yeah. They borrowed because money was really cheap. They borrowed to do buybacks. So they can just stop a little bit of that if they need to. They have the money that it's not like, oh, they're burdened with debt and they're in trouble here. So 
think about that when you're investing here. I think we're still going to be in a choppy environment, but you are seeing this sustained rally in companies that have a lot less debt as opposed to companies that do. And I think that, you know, this interest rates continue to rise is a burden for some companies. And you got to consider that. Don't just look at the PE, look deeper. Look deeper. That's especially what it is. It seems like this year is really going to be more of that stock pickers market versus just going in all in on one area, right? We'll see what happens today to see if the technology can stay strong. Do the banks come down? Of course, like Dennis mentioned, we might be a little bit early on this story, but I do appreciate Dennis doing a little bit more of a deeper dive. I think we're early. Thank you, Dennis, for doing yeah. that deeper dive. I know that a lot of the time I'm not you, trying to scare everyone that we're going no, to the next just, financial crisis, but we just got to be aware, exactly. You know that there is some. It's a yellow here. flag right now. It's not a That's red what flag. It is. It's yep. a yellow flag. Pay yep. attention to this because yep. there could be some more worrying down the line. Agree, Money Mitch. All right, you have a great one, Dennis. Go do what see you Mitch. do best, man. Go get to your go trading action. We'll see you a little bit later. You guys can keep up with everything Dennis Dick does. Triple D Trader on Twitter. Give him a nice follow. Smash up on those thumbs. I hope you guys enjoyed us getting a little bit deeper, bringing on some different guests. That's what pre-market prep's all about. I know sometimes people get focused that pre-market prep's a day trading show. No, necessarily it's a show to get you ready for the market. Sometimes we're going to talk a little bit more macro. Sometimes we'll be more in micro catalysts, focusing on one stock. But what we try to do for you guys is really just give you the transparency of our mind going into the market. Sometimes it's Dennis, Joel, myself, right? We try to give you guys some things to look at. Like always, you guys make your own investment decision. This isn't for financial advice, but for educational and informational purposes so that you guys can stay on top of your game and get to the market. Up next, we got live trading coming up next. Hope to see you guys over on live trading. Been killing it lately. Killed a trade on AMD yesterday. Have all but just one swing trade in the uh, green today. ASL is slightly into the red there, but uh, we got SEDG, SFFM, X, American Airlines. Come find out how I'm doing on my swing trading. Of course, on Start Swing Trading, our swing trading show that starts from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Probably the only one out there doing live swing trading. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Hit the thumbs up. And of course, you guys can always check out the closing print with Joel Alconnen. Now to get you guys over to some live trading action, let's see what I can roll up my sleeves today and see what the market has for us. Come find out what Zunaid, myself, and of course, Lord Ryan get into. (laughs) 